Welcome to Hawks and Lavender Rose, a heart-centered podcast dedicated to community through the foundation of love, trust, and advocacy for conscious living. Now, here is your host, Shauna Gulbrand. Welcome to Hawks and Lavender Rose. I am your host, Shauna Gulbrand. This podcast is was created and designed to share awareness, wisdom, experience, consciousness, and the practice of vulnerability. So thank you so much for being here with me today, whether you're watching, whether you're listening, thank you for sharing this space. I am joined today by guest Mary Beth Murphy. Um, Actually, guest co-host Mary Beth Murphy. Mary Beth is a registered nurse of 30 years, and she is also a holistic wellness coach. Today, we are going to be talking about sobriety, recovery, and uh, our stories around that. Mary Beth and I met at a yoga studio that I teach at. You were coming and taking classes, and you know, we would see each other in passing from time to time, but we really never got into conversation. But it wasn't until that day that I pulled in and saw a car with a Prince sticker on it. And I remember walking into the to the yoga studio and asking if anyone in the room was owner of that car that had the Prince sticker. And, and there's Mary Beth. She's like, that's me. And I thought, oh God, I love you instantly. Mm-hmm. So in honor of our relationship and Prince, I brought out my Prince prayer candle to have on our little altar this morning. So Mary Beth, welcome. Thank you for having me, Shauna. It's a pleasure to have you here. Would, uh, how about we start by you telling folks a little bit about yourself? Um, so I live in Salem, New Hampshire. I am a mom to four and I have worked at Children's Hospital for about 25 years and am now making a shift midlife to uh, becoming a holistic wellness coach, sort of a paradigm shift in what I've been used to. I want to help people shift the healthcare paradigm. I think our healthcare system is very stressed with dealing with illnesses that are of chronic nature, and I feel like a lot of lifestyle changes can promote uh, wellness as opposed to illness. Mm -hmm. So I want to help people sort of feel empowered to uh, have a, a big say in their health and that they do have the power to redirect things and enhance their wellness as they as they age. And maybe try alternative routes. Yes, a, a more holistic lens. Approach, yeah. Complementary medicines. I'm, uh, I practice craniosacral therapy, which is a wonderful light touch massage that will help calm the nervous system. I'm a Reiki practitioner. I just finished a crystal healing course, so I'm incorporating crystals into the Reiki sessions that I do, which are magical, wonderful things. So uh, I'm looking outside the box, and um, Florence Nightingale was a very famous nurse back in the day, and she said 2020 was going to be the year of the nurse. Oh, really? I am jumping on that one because I believe that she was definitely a... uh, a pioneer and a nurse that thought outside the box and saw and had a vision of uh, really making a difference. And I really believe too that the feminine energy 
is ready for this. Oh, yeah. And nurses, I don't want to say, there are male nurses out there that are wonderful and wonderful additions to the workforce, but we're mostly women, and um, we can really shift things. And uh, I'm meeting a lot of wonderful nurses that feel the same way, so it's really nice to be in that company. My husband is a nurse, as you well know, and I look forward to telling him about Florence Nightingale and this being the year of the nurse. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it, And I've been wanting to connect the two of you because I feel like he wants to move into a, a similar path of what you're doing, and, and I think it would be great for him to talk to you so sure. you can like just introduce him to some new ways of thinking or new avenues of learning. I was actually thinking of him this morning. So we're going to be talking about recovery and sobriety. And when I was doing a little research this morning before you came, I was thinking about the many stories. Now, let me just put it out there. Like, we are all about HIPAA. So he never tells me any names of any patients Mm -hmm. or anything like Mm -hmm. that. But he does share stories of patients and their need to detox coming into the hospital to detox and I am shocked when I hear the young ages of these people and not only that how much they drink I mean it's it's like to think that the body can even consume that much alcohol and I know it's a gradual Mm -hmm. building to a handle of vodka a day which I'd be dead (laughs) if I drank a handle of vodka right now Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was thinking of that this morning, and I imagine that. Well, you worked at Children's, so I don't know how many alcoholic children you saw, but. Um, so, that wasn't really something that we would be dealing with. Yeah, I didn't think so. At Children's, right. but we would be dealing with the whole family unit and a stressed parent, you know. So, th- this applies to so many people because there's a lot of overwhelm out there. Alcohol is everywhere. Yeah. I saw a statistic this morning, 17 million U.S. adults are alcohol dependent. That is a lot of people. It's a big number. Sure is. So we're going to talk today. We're going to have some conversation about your story, my story, suggestions Hmm. that we can offer our listeners and our viewers. So would you like to start by sharing your story of alcohol and how you came to your place of recovery. Sure. So, um, I guess we'll go we'll go back a little bit to just tell you a little bit about about how I was raised and how I sort of fell into the the culture of drinking, like all of like a lot of us do. Um, I I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. It was my father that was the drinker, uh, but there was a lot of dysfunction in the family growing up and a lot of really not healthy patterns of coping and avoidance. And I was a very sensitive child, very emotional, very sensitive to the energy of people around me. And if you've got a father that's dealing with his demons and a mother that doesn't want to, you know, face what's going on, I was was in my room a lot crying and being really... um, feeling like that like something was wrong with me that I was so sensitive but I think you know knowing now what I know it was just my my wiring my nature and I'm I take on the energy of the room so when I was 15 
in my hometown, drinking was very acceptable behavior. Um, it was very, very mainstream at my high school. All the parties included alcohol. So I think it was 15. I probably had my first drink. And my friend and I would split a six-pack of beer. So I'd have three beers. But for that, you know, I was young. And that was um, not a ton of drinking. But um, throughout my life, I would have peaks and valleys of using, of using alcohol to sort of manage life stressors. But I could say that um, I had a bout of infertility when I met my husband. We were married for about f six years before we started having our kids. And we actually adopted first because I had infertility. And I was just determined to be a mother. It was just one of these, you know, Driving when I set forces. my mind to something, I don't, you know, I have blinders on and I just go for it. Right. Um, which is what I did with my sobriety too. <laughs> so it's my personality trait. Um, so I prayed for children and I ended up getting four in five years. Bang! Right? So um, I adopted two beautiful stories, beautiful children, and then I got pregnant with two. So within five years, I wow. had four children. And my two oldest children are special needs. So uh, one is autistic and one has some growth issues. So uh, I didn't lose my nursing skills in those times that I was with my babies. I was definitely applying everything I learned at Children's right. to my family. Although the autistic piece, I was not, um, wow, that was a, he was a behavioral, very challenging, explosive personality. So uh, I would have my wine at the evening to unwind from it. And culturally, I was right in line with a lot of other moms that were busy and stressed. So I was not aware that that was actually not a very healthy way to handle that. Um, but you were with the in crowd. You were doing what everybody else yeah, was doing. Yeah. Everyone around you was doing. Exactly. Weekends, by the pool, by the lake, by the ocean. Every, it was, there was all, there's always a reason. Right. Um, and Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better, right? So at the time, I had no idea what alcohol was doing to me on a spiritual level and on a physical level. And the veil of, I want to say, blueness. I'm not going to say I was depressed because it wasn't a constant depression. It was more of just this blue feeling of feeling something's not right. Something's not right. Why aren't I happier? Why? I have everything I want. I have a beautiful husband. I have four beautiful children. I'm living my dream. I wanted these kids. I wanted this life. And I was just so sad. So sad. And um, waking up with a hangover or nausea and then not being present for my kids. But I didn't realize that there was another way to exist. So let's see. Um, I fell into yoga back when my kids were in preschool. It was offered at the Boys and Girls Club in Salem. And I tapped into that. And I would have these moments in Shavasana where I'd be like, whew, like blissful, right? Little tastes of it. And going, like, I want more of that. I want more of that. But then still in the wine groove, the hamster wheel of the wine groove. And, um, again, 
everybody else around me was doing it. So it wasn't like I was standing out. I wasn't having any blackouts. I wasn't having any DUIs. I wasn't having any crises of any kind. It was just this, you know, undercurrent of something's just not jiving right. Um, so I paid no attention to it. Right. I just kept it going. Right. Um, you know, I'd be in a downward dog in yoga with a hangover and going, man, what am I doing? <laughs> right? I said, something's just not right. But then I kept ignoring it. So little voices, little wisdoms perking up. Maybe you should look at this. Maybe you should look at this. And I just kept choosing to ignore it. Because it was easier to pour the glass of wine. Of course. Than it was to address the actual th- issue. Or thinking that could be the issue. Right. I, I wasn't aware that it could be an issue. Um, so because of, well, what else is really cool about this is there was this yoga studio called Tribe in Salem, and it had since closed, which brought me to Joy, which is when I met you. Yes. Um, but it, at Tribe, they had a class offered on Friday nights at 7, Yoga for Recovery. And I remember saying, what does yoga have to do with recovery? <laughs> <laughs> wow, have times have changed. Right? <laughs> so I was like, why are those two things put together? And how naive I was to think, you know. But I mean, I think maybe intuitively I was seeking yoga to heal. And I think that was my inner wisdom having me hold on by a thread. And I think yoga had me in motherhood holding on by a thread to get me to where I am now. Mm-hmm. So yoga was the, the pathway. And then um, I was introduced to Reiki through Children's Hospital. Um, and also at Tribe, they offered it. So I took Reiki 1 with Tribe and Reiki 1 and 2 again with Children's. It was offered because they wanted to provide Reiki to parents through the Center for Families. And um, I saw Reiki firsthand by another nurse that was doing it on a child coming out of the operating room. And the baby woke up so smoothly. Mm. And the mother came back to the bedside and said, my child is so centered and calm. And I was like... God, I wish I had known about that with my youngest. And she had no idea that Reiki was done on her child because it was done in the recovery room before the mother even came back. And... I was like, that mother's using language I don't understand. (laughs) I need to learn more about that. So that was my Reiki story. So Reiki, yoga, I think it made me more permeable to waking up. But what really did it was I was away on vacation with my husband and I broke my ankle. When I was texting and walking. Not present. Uh, Yeah. Were you drinking? Um, I did have a flight of martinis. A flight of martinis? (laughs) No, they're little. They add up to one martini, but it was brunch, and it was day drinking. So, um, again, you're on vacation, day drinking, totally normal. Of course, that's totally acceptable. Right, right. It's afternoon time somewhere. Exactly, yeah. That's what I would tell myself all the time. Right, totally rationalizing it, totally making it normal, Mm -hmm. and totally embracing it, because why not escape? Right? So. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody seems to just be able to escape and not deal with their problems or their challenges. Right. Let's just numb. Exactly. Yeah. And so it took your foot or your ankle breaking to wake you up. Because I was immobile for eight weeks, cast with crutches, 
and I've never been immobile before, so that was an eye-opener, right? I'm a very active person, right. and I like to exercise, and I initially was like, oh my God, if I don't dial back on my drinking while I'm immobile, I'm going to be 20 pounds heavier. So that was my initial thing, right? Like, I don't want to look bad, like, physically. But then I went on to think, well, how am I going to fill my wine glass anyway? <laughs> because... I can't crutch walk and carry a wine glass. And then I actually went to the point where I said, well, I could get a thermos and carry the thermos and sit next to me with my thermos because it has a handle. Yeah. (laughs) I went there. I went there. But what really got me was I have four kids and I could have each of them fill my wine glass once and nobody would know how much I had. Wow. And that was the trigger, the shame trigger shame and I know shame we're supposed to forgive ourselves and not have shame but I believe that there's a purpose for shame um yes and I have started to believe that we need to really feel the Mm -hmm. shame to let ourselves feel it instead of pushing it away oh no I felt that like like a juggernaut like I was like I am not going there and I think it's what my kids my kids saved me there because I'm like, I am not that mother. I am not that mother. Right. I was that mother, but I was hoping to not be that mother anymore. Right. So it was an invitation. It was an invitation. And how long have you been in recovery? So that was November 26th, 2016. So a little over three years now. Congratulations. Thank you. And with every year I'm learning something new. With every day I'm learning something new. Yeah. That's a big accomplishment. It's it's what I'm actually, besides being a mother, most proud of. It's beautiful. Yeah. I probably started drinking in my teen years. I remember somebody buying us uh, beer and being in the woods somewhere drinking beer. I remember feeling lightheaded. <laughs> I forgot all about this, but I used to work at the Papaginos in Waltham, and that's where I met my husband. And a friend of mine used to work there, and he was older than me. And it, I don't think the drinking age was 21. Was it, was it like 19 or 20 for a while? Regardless, it doesn't matter about that. But he would go over to the, the packy, we used to call it, the liquor store. And he would buy me root beer schnapps. And I would mix it with root beer from the soda machine. And I would keep it next to me while I was making pizzas. I can safely say that now because I don't think any of my man, well, nothing could happen now anyway, but. (laughs) Statute of limitations. (laughs) And I would be there making pizzas, drinking, and I was 17, 18 years old, maybe 19 years old. Drinking has been, it's been such a huge part of my life, and we can justify and rationalize any reason for drinking. I know I have. My marriage was, let me, how do I want to say this? Alcohol played a big role in 30 years of my marriage. There were times when it was super fun. And then there were times when I thought, I don't know if I really want to keep doing this, not being married to my husband, but the whole drinking. So I would say the past two years, the whispers were there. 
and I would wake up in the morning and I would think to myself, I need to stop drinking. I need to stop drinking. I mean, I have countless stories I could tell you about the amount of alcohol that I alone would consume or we would consume together. And like you said, it ebbs and flows. I mean, there were times where, yeah, all right, maybe I'll have a couple of drinks over the weekend. And then there were times that we would be going through three 30-packs of beer a week. I mean, it was bad. So I switched over to vodka. Vodka was my choice with lime seltzer and a lime wedge, and that was my drink. When you were talking about being immobile and not being able to get your wine, I in my head I'm thinking, oh, I would have had a whole little cooler set up right next to me because I've done that. When we had our pool, we would get a cooler of everything we needed. I would have my flask, so hydro flask, think water, but I would fill it with vodka and I would bring it <clears> out there. And then I would get pissed that I'd have to go to the bathroom. So I'd have to come in the house to go to the bathroom. Anyway, I could make it work. We could make it work. And alcohol was everywhere. This coming, so for, uh, for all of you listening and watching, we pre-record. So we, it's not like we record and then just uh, air this, launch it. So this coming Sunday will be eight months of being sober. You're three years, I'm eight months. And eight months ago, it was May 6th, I woke up and I said, that's it. I'm done. And it wasn't that I hit rock bottom. It wasn't that my life was falling apart before my eyes. I was done with alcohol. I was tired of waking up in the middle of the night with my head spinning. I was tired of being hungover. Oh my God. I think about when I worked at the Cambridge Hospital. I got up at four o'clock in the morning and there were countless mornings that I would be getting ready so hungover. I don't know how I drove from Salem, New Hampshire to Cambridge, Massachusetts. I would get there, be on like autopilot. Mm -hmm. That's really dangerous, not only for myself, but for anybody else that was out on Route 93 with me. And there were many mornings I would get into work and just lie my head down. Thankfully, I had my own office. I would just lie my head down on my desk, keep my door closed, and just try to recover for an hour or so before people started coming to work. It was awful. Mm -hmm. So that morning I woke up and I came downstairs and there was probably about two-thirds of a handle of vodka in my closet. And I literally just poured it down the drain. And I announced to my husband that that was it. I'm not drinking anymore hmm. and it's been it's been well it's been a mixed bag the past eight months uh i we've had countless conversations about this already but i don't think about alcohol anymore at all except a couple of times i've reflected on it and i've kind of had like oh i should have a drink next to me and i'm thinking where does that come from but everything that's come up since so um all the work I've done with Pathways Institute and being sober has opened me up to a lot coming up and it's not all pretty. I've seen a lot of um, family patterns which I'm working through. It's ugly, it's messy, but I'd rather be dealing with this than being hungover. Mm. That is the biggest thing. And just last week, I said to my husband, we have open conversations with it about sobriety and well we call it sobriety I know you call it recovery but I call it sobriety 
he has cut back drastically on the amount of alcohol he he takes in and I did not ask him to quit with me and I know I've told you this but I want to hear let the audience hear it but he, he like it's a fraction fraction of what he used to drink but I said to him the other day um, I have something I want to share with you and he said okay I said I don't think I'm going to be drinking alcohol ever again in my life mm. like I just think it's gone now it's over and he was like, that's great. He's been so supportive of me. And I've been supportive of him. And through this whole eight months, our relationship has just deepened and evolved and grown. And it's been it's beautiful. beautiful but it was really interesting to come to that realization that I think I'm done with alcohol. Like, completely done. And it's great. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> I, I've heard it. I've heard it be compared to like a boyfriend, like an old, like a bad boyfriend. You broke up with a bad boyfriend. He wasn't serving you. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could look at it that way. Do you way. know what I mean? I've like, just been married for thirty-one years, so thinking about a boyfriend is no, like. <laughs> I know, but like I've heard it referred to like it's almost like a relation. It's a relationship, it's right? Absolutely, it's a, a relationship. relationship with alcohol. Yeah. So it's 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 not serving you. It's so, funny because here I had managing your relationship with alcohol. Yes, yes, so true, right? So, but it's this waking up, and I think when you remove the alcohol, when you when you take that chemical out of your brain, like I'm a very science girl, right? So if you have a toxic chemical going around in your brain, your clear your thinking isn't you. It's being altered. So if you can remove it, you can look at your life through a different lens and have conscious conversations. Yeah. So it's much more authentic living. It's much more, it's awakening to your life. And that's what I feel is the gift in the sobriety is that Absolutely. you're given an opportunity to look at your life without this. I mean, alcohol's in your system for 10 days. You need to give yourself 30 days. 30 days is a good shot at it. At day 30, then you can decide whether or not you want to go back there or not. Right. But give yourself 30, like they're doing dry January right now, which is a thing. I saw that today when I was doing some research, but then I saw that it just goes to every month now. I saw that they have well, dry September and, this, and, and this dry is, Right, right. So this is, you know, the sober it's community kind new of... new movement. Yep, yep. Which is great but, if it's but, helping people. But a lot of people pick January because the holidays are a big mm -hmm. party time mm -hmm. and that people are done with that piece and they want to just give their body like a like a reset. Um, so that's why January kind okay. of got big. Gotcha. But um, again, it's, it's just that marketing tool to at least offer this as an option to let people know that you you don't have to be on that party train like it eventually it 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 works till it doesn't work right and i know you had said too to me that you switch from beer to out to vodka because your body didn't metabolize beer well anymore because our bodies are aging so we're not metabolizing the alcohol like we once did and then it's not as fun as it once was Right? Well, it was so temporary. And mm. that's what I would think. I'm like, okay, here I'm pouring a drink. I, I, I had a process. I had a routine. Mm -hmm. Pouring the vodka, squeezing the lime, pouring the seltzer, stirring. Mm -hmm. Have it right next to me. The first sip. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and I'm not going back there, right? No, like, I oh know. my God, I'm going to go back. I don't have any vodka in my house anyway. No. But, um, <laughs> <clears throat> and. Yeah, I would feel good 
good. I would feel great. But it was so temporary. Like 20 minutes, maybe? It wasn't lasting Not even 20. Right. And then I got to the point, I'd be making another drink. I'd be making another drink. I'm like, why am I still drinking? Like, why? Right. And then it was just, you know, the constant battle that was going on in my head. So there are lots of different routes, avenues, practices that people can do. And I'd like to just touch on that for a moment or two. I just quit cold turkey. I didn't need anything. I needed the support of myself and my husband. That's what I really needed when it came to just quitting. I didn't go to any meetings because I didn't need to, but I know a lot of people do. Mm. What was your path? So I sort of did my own thing too. I owned it and I wanted to run the show. I wanted to create it and make it my own. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that um, I did it right. I was like, I want to do this right. And there was this little what voice. What does that mean? Well, it's like I wanted to make sure I got it right. I wanted to have success. I wanted to be. And that can be different for everyone. Right. And I think that that was my beginner's mindset where I felt like there was only one way to get sober. And it was through AA. So I went to an AA meeting and I couldn't, it didn't resonate. It wasn't speaking to me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting anything out of it. It was daunting. It felt very, um, I just didn't feel the connection. It's almost like when you go to like um, a church. Like I've tried different churches out too. And if it doesn't feel right, I just don't go back. I I went to a psychiatrist once when, this was 10 years ago when I started, right before I started on my journey. And I thought that was the answer. Like, that's what people do, right? They go to psychiatrists and get unfucked. (laughs) Fix me. (laughs) He sat across his desk from me, asked me a few questions, and the next thing I know, he's writing out a prescription, and he's reaching out. And I I remember sitting there saying, oh, there's got to be another way. Mm -hmm. This is, none of this feels right to me. Right. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, no, I'm glad you said that, because for me... Because of my shift and what I'm doing professionally, my healthcare paradigm shift is that I did sort of find my way, but I think it was through divine guidance and being open to hearing and meditating on things that I heard a voice that said what to do next, and I listened. So that spirituality and conduit is open now. Right, and we're also in that world, right? You were introduced to the world of yoga and meditation, yeah. and I've been in that world for a while. Many people are not. Yes. They don't, they, everyone has access to it, right? Right. If you're aware of it. So again, tell so, me a little bit more about AA. But right, so be still and know that I am, right? So you have to just be still and listen. Listen and know. That's a, in the Bible, but... <laughs> um, that's the other thing. I was born and raised Catholic, and it was a very fear-based church, and it didn't resonate with me. Mm-hmm. And so when I raised my kids, I did not shove it down their throats because it wasn't in alignment with my own beliefs. I don't think God is a fear-based God. Um, I went to a seminar on uh, Julian of Norwich, and she was a woman who um had some near death experiences back in the 1500s the plague years and she had said that 
she her experience with God was that he was a loving God and he was a kind God and to tell everybody everything's going to be okay it's all it's all going to be okay so it was the all, all shall be well came from from her because that's what she had heard from God and I, I believe that to be true um so, so AA didn't resonate even with though AA is a, is a is a higher power based program um it's not for everyone it's not for everyone it's it was designed by men it was designed back in the 1930s and i feel like we've evolved as a culture and then it's not hitting what i needed and i had to be okay with that i had to i had to let that go right because to, isn't that the way you're supposed to go if i'm going to be, be recovery aa is is the way right right and I know, and again, it's helped so many people, and, and I believe that we're all so different. Right. So let's be clear about that. Right. If, yeah. if you go to a meeting, if you've been wanting to go to a meeting, go. Check it out. You need to see if it's a right, right. fit for you. Don't listen to us and, well, but, but I will, I listen to us. Well, I will say, though, that <laughs> community is a huge piece in recovery. Yeah. Yes. And even if you meet one other sober friend, which I did when I was in my yoga teacher training, that um, she... She and I can text any time of day, and we're there for each other. And that's like what a sponsor is, right? Right. Just an accountability pal. A support system. Yeah. Just someone else, like, um, yeah, it holds you accountable to your to your choice and to your path. And to, to be with someone else that gets it. Um, so, um, AA wasn't my path. I dabbled in it just to see, just to make sure. I wasn't missing anything. I tried different meetings. I went to all women meetings. I went to different towns. Um, I want to say probably I've gone to 10 meetings over three years. Okay, so I think you've so, done your dil- dil- yeah, due I just, diligence. Right. So, um, yeah. So um, what really resonated with me was uh, re- Refuge Recovery, which then morphed into um, Recovery Dharma. They had a shift in management I don't really get involved with all of that yeah. that piece of it. But it's a Buddhist approach. So because I'm a yogi, I, that resonated with me. It's all about the Eightfold Path and living a good life. And isn't that what we're here to do, right? So um, it's a wonderful pathway if that resonates with you. Um, and then another piece, obviously, was She Recovers which um, I just ended up going to a retreat at Kropalu in March of 2019, so just under a year ago. But this is when I met um, a mother-daughter team of women recovering from alcohol and, um, drug ab- and drugs who have created these principles of we're all recovering from something. And what is this called? It's called She Recovers. And who are the what are the names of the um, mother and Don daughter? Don Nickel and Taryn Strong. And they're at www.sherecovers.co. And they're out of Canada. And they run retreats. And they also have a podcast, don't they? They have a podcast. They have uh, Napa Stream Yoga. Taryn does yoga. For people in recovery, again, there's the yoga that pops up all the time, which I love. And um, they have coaches. So coaches are sort of a notch above a sponsor because these are educated women that have been uh, 
trained in coaching people. And then they're also, they're on the designee program through She Recovers that cover the 10 principles. So it is a, you can have one-on-one coaching or you could do group coaching. So I'm actually going to be getting involved with the group coaching. I really think that, uh, again, women supporting women in recovery is super powerful. There's nothing like, uh, I'm actually going there to meet meet people in Portsmouth today for lunch. Um, Beautiful. Local women who are on the She Recovers team. And I'm really looking forward to meeting them because it's just really a great space to be in. Beautiful. Mm. So doing some little, a little bit of research this morning. And okay, so before I, I say about what I found, because I think it's, okay, so let me just say this. So the benefits of sobriety, better health. I mean, amen. It is so nice waking up, not hungover. Better sleep. What would you, would you agree with that? Like a baby. It's beautiful. I sleep like a baby. It's so nice. Improvements to insulin sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Being a nurse, did you have anything to say about that? Absolutely. So alcohol, sugar. Right. Right. So you're spiking your sugar up and you're stressing out your pancreas and your liver by detoxing from it. So that's why you don't have the good sleep because your sugar goes up and then it plunges. Hmm. And then you don't feel good and you wake up and you blah. You yeah, know, that, whole, that whole thing. And... Yeah. So um, sugar also feeds cancer. Hmm. So when you drink, you have a higher risk for breast cancer, colon cancer. Yeah. No one talks about that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Improve blood pressure. I don't know the mechanics behind why that would happen other than maybe just regulating your whole body. If you're putting a toxin into your body, it's not going to run well. Right? I think of Tom Brady. Right? I think about Tom Brady and his lifestyle, and I know that he manages, like, he can throw a beer back Everything. like anybody, right? But he, he, he looks at it like, um, like high-test gas. You put high-test gas in your car, it's going to run better. Right. Right? So it just makes sense. It's just a rock of sense. It's not, it's not um, a big secret, but people just don't want to look at it. Well, it's facing the truth, and isn't that why... So many people turn to alcohol because they're avoiding something, mm-hmm. right? Bingo. Yep. My benefits. I have more time to do things, which has been fabulous. And I've done a lot. I'm sleeping better. My skin is better. My relationship with my husband has blossomed even more the relationships with my kids have uh especially my youngest son because he still lives here they've just deepened and evolved through honesty i want to share with you it was christmas eve and my 20 year old nephew was at was there and i don't know how what i was i was talking something about alcohol and i I don't know if my sister asked me if I wanted a glass of wine or something like that. And I said, no, I haven't drank in almost eight months. My nephew was standing right next to me. And he said, yeah, right. And I said, really? I quit drinking? He's like, yeah, sure you did. I said, no, I really did quit drinking eight months ago. And he said, why? And I said, because I was tired of it. 
I was sick and tired of drinking. I was tired of waking up in the middle of the night. I was tired of being hungover. I was just done. And he was, was imp- I want to say he was impressed by it. And he was like, that's really great. And I was like, thank you. And so to be able to say that to a 20-year-old was, was nice. Was a, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have even had that experience. That was a heart-to-heart experience. And that wouldn't have happened, obviously, if you were drinking, right? Because that conversation would have never come up. But think about how you might have impacted him moving forward. Mm. Him knowing that you did that. Like, that's a seed planted. Mm. That's a beautiful thing. And that's what we want, right? I mean, don't we want that? As we age, as we, age we want to share what we know. We want to share our wisdoms, <laughs> right? So we, that we, we can better yesterday. So we can better help the species evolve, exactly. right? Exactly. Let's talk. Talk about stuff. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. Um, I just thought of something. Oh, relationships. That just made me think of relationships without mm-hmm. been talking about relationships. And I've shared with you that the biggest challenge for me on my journey of personal development and self-discovery has been the shifting of relationships in my life. Some of them have fallen away. Some of them have deepened. New ones have been born. It's been wonderful. And I know that for myself, when I started on my journey, and even when I decided to stop drinking, my biggest fear was, how is this going to affect my relationships? What would you like to say about that? Yeah, so um, that's a tough one because I, I, I white-knuckled the first year and said, oh, yeah, I can be around all this. I can be all around all this and be fine. And I would go to the parties and I would, you know, be fine drinking my um, water with lemon or my seltzer or whatever. I wanted to prove to people I could be hip and still run in that circle. And then what happened was... My vibration was getting higher by not drinking. And when they would drink, their vibration would get lower. So it would be this disconnect. And the conversations get really stupid after one or two drinks. Like consistently stupid. It wasn't like it was just here and there. Every conversation would go down several notches. And then I'm sitting there sober as a judge can't relate to anybody. Right. It was really lonely. And it lonely not like I wanted to join in. Lonely like that this is all we've got here? Like, is yeah. this it? So I sought, I, I, I sought out um, my tribe. And I have a great tribe. And I love the shape of a triangle. That's an AA symbol. But it actually happens to work for me too. Because I have my yogis. I have my nurses. And I have my sober sisters. Nice. So I have my connections. And they're mostly all women, but, you know, throw a couple of guys in there that I can have conversations with. But um, that's my jam now. And I can say no to a party and not be thinking. I have no fear of missing out anymore because I, I did it for like a full, at least a full year, maybe if not longer, of trying to sustain that, um, that unconsciousness and it's just it's just in not, the relationships it's not where I really it's not where I need to be or want to be right mm. I was just thinking back so I didn't have a lot of fear when I quit drinking I just knew I was done but I just reflected back to 
2009, it was the end of 2009, that I knew that things needed to change. There was lots of darkness within me. Everything was beautiful in my life, except internally it was dark and it was scary. And I knew that things needed to change. So I started to embrace my truths. And I walked forward, and I, and I credit Louise Hay because she was my first conscious teacher. Mm-hmm. What I read in the first book I read of hers was I didn't need to know how it was going to all unfold. I just needed to be willing. And that has stayed with me, and that's something that I bring to my teachings and to my, my clients. When it comes to uh, if you're really serious about becoming sober coming into recovery, don't put so much pressure on yourself to figure out the hows. Be willing. Be willing to give up the alcohol. Be willing to face your life head on. Be willing to let relationships shift, be altered, even die off. Be willing and let the universe figure out the how. But on top of that, there are many avenues, and we've already discussed just a couple of them, that you can take, right? So it's really important to have that sense of community, to surround yourself with people who are supportive. And I truly, truly believe that. If you're trying to be sober, you certainly don't want to hang out with someone who's like, how come you're not drinking? Like, come on, one drink. Yeah. Those are the people you want to stay away from. <laughs> Those aren't your people. No, they're not your people. They're not looking out for your best interest. So I guess, again, it's hard for me to do this, the recovery sobriety thing because there wasn't fear there for me. There was just truth and, like, done. But when I come back to what am I going to look like if I start down this path? What am I going to be like? How are my relationships going to change? That is, can be debilitating, really scary. So what happens is people just go back to the drink. Mm-hmm. Just be willing. Be willing and let the how unfold. And if you're, if you're really paying attention, the messages come. All of a sudden you might be hearing from some stranger in the grocery store about some program that's offered for people who will want to quit drinking. That might be your program. Yeah. <laughs> right? And that's kind of what I did. I, like, I got into meditation spontaneously because I must have read an article and said, ooh, let's try that. Let me try it. And then, wow, start meditating daily and see what happens then. Like, beautiful things. Right? right? So, yeah. it's all good. Not, not always beautiful. Sometimes well, a lot comes up there. I know. My own personal experience. I know. Well, you know what else, too? Speaking of that... Um, Yes, you have to sit in the muck, right? You sit in the muck as a sober observer or um, participant in your life, but the joys are more joyful. Yeah. And that's what I was missing. I was missing, like I was wondering, why aren't I enjoying my kids more? Why aren't I enjoying this life more? And then I realized, oh, oh, it's that. Because, I mean, as... As tough as life is, because, you know, there's no, there's nobody without their story. Right. Um, I wasn't feeling the joys. I, it, they weren't attainable with that peace in my life. And now you are. And now I am. And what has that done for you? It's given my life a, a whole new 
perspective, outlook, hopes, dreams. Like I feel like it, I almost feel like I've been given a, se- a second chance. Thank you, broken ankle. Right? Thank you, universe. Yes, and I say that all the time. I say that all the time. Very grateful. I always wanted a cast when I was a kid, too. Oh, my God. Me, too. I've never had one. <laughs> Not that I'm saying I really want no, one no, now. Because no. I don't want a broken bone don't at this point in my there. life. But I do want to... Can I share what the quote yes, of what I just bought please, the other day? Please, please, please. With you. I, I shared it with you last night. Um, it was talking about... It, it's a print that I got at HomeSense. That's right. That's right. You this is really me. good. So I'm going to say it nice and slow. She was powerful, not because she wasn't scared, but because she went on so strongly despite the fear. And that's Harper Lee. It's beautiful. Right? Surround yourself with people who are willing to support you in the changes you want to make. There are a number of treatments out there. There are a number of support groups Find a community. Okay, maybe you've never been drawn to yoga, but maybe there's a studio in your area that offers a meditation class. Or as I like to call it, a stillness class. Because a lot of people that I talk to are like, oh, I don't know how to meditate. Okay, can you put your phone in the other room and just sit still for five minutes? Let's start with that. And maybe there's a class that you can just go and and just sit in the circle of people who are meditating. Mm-hmm. and not even know how to meditate, right? Right. Just be there in the energy of it. Surround yourself with with supportive people and embrace the changes in the habits and your lifestyle. That's another scary part. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, things are going to change. Yeah, they are, but they're going to change for the better. Exactly. And embrace that. So, and that's why I want to be a coach because I feel like some people need that extra support to get there. So my intention was to be a a health coach, but I feel like I'm being pulled towards sobriety coaching because I feel like it's a, it's a space where someone might need that extra support and it's different than a sponsor. A sponsor tells you what to do. Okay. And a coach helps you find out what you already need to know, right? It helps you. Right. As a coach, as coaches, we ask the right questions so our clients figure out their answers on their own. Which is a lot more organic and a lot more um, sustainable mm. and successful. Definitely. It's right? a lot more responsibility. Nobody wants to be told what to do. Um, well, I mean, there doctors, are, No, I believe right? there are some people out there that really want... Just take yeah. a look at social media, what mm. people put out there. Mm. They just want to be told what to do. And then what happens when that doesn't work for you? Mm, not good. That's like advice from a friend, mm-hmm. right? Oh, you need to do this. Okay, let me try that. Well, shit, that didn't work out. Why did I listen to you? So right. as coaches, like, well, all right, well, let's let's help you figure out what you want to do. What's your truth? Mm-hmm. Okay, I could just go on and on and on about that's that. That's another podcast. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> so is there any other pearls of wisdom that you would like to offer the community? I hope somebody might have heard something today that triggered them to <clears throat> perhaps take a look at themselves. 
And how can people, if, if people <coughs> want to um, reach out to you directly and talk to you a little bit more about this, how can folks find you? So um, my website is www.marybethmurphy.net. You can email me through that website. And I also have email marybeth.murphy at comcast.net. And what about social media? So I'm on Instagram as mbrncoach. And um, are you on Facebook I as well? I am on Facebook. I have uh, my holistic wellness page. So it is my name, Mary Beth Murphy. And Okay. So yeah. we're, I'm going to put all this. Mm. I'm going to have all this on uh, the social media post about your your guest co-host appearance here. And so if, if you really want to connect with Mary Beth, everything will be there. And she will be sharing as well. And is there anything happening that you would like to invite people to? Anything happening in the near future that you would like to invite any potential recovery, support, anything like that? As a matter of fact, um, I am speaking at the A Market on the 16th. It's in Manchester, New Hampshire. And I'm going to be talking about self-care, recovery 101, just how to bulk up your toolbox so you can have a successful recovery and the first three subjects are going to be about nutrition sleep and exercise and how that benefits recovery um and then i'm doing a self-care 102 in a couple weeks after that talking about um yoga meditation and setting boundaries beautiful so more of a spiritual side of it so you'll give me all this information and i can put this yes. in with the with the post the social media posts and everything great and one more thing yeah i was invited to teach yoga at a the wild woman summit in tennessee a friend of mine that i met through she recovers is holding a retreat and i was asked to teach yoga there so um it's going to be Wild Woman Summit. It's um, through Crone Nation. So it's CroneNation.com. Crone Nation. What a great name. Isn't that awesome? So um, Tammy Roth is the organizer. And you can find her at CroneNation.com. Beautiful. So I'm going to have Mary Beth send me all of this information. This will be part of the description of the podcast as well as on uh, our social media posts that you can find all of this information and you can find Mary Beth. I would like to thank you very much for being here today. It was my honor. Thank I you really for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation and I have a funny feeling that uh, we're, these conversations will be continuing as we both move forward and evolve. For sure. It's great. All right. I am Shauna. You can find me under my name, Shauna Gulbrand, everywhere. Facebook, my um, website, and on Instagram. And I want to thank all of you so much for being here and for sharing this space with Mary Beth and I. And I wish you a beautiful day. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, whatever time mm -hmm. of the day it is, namaste. Namaste.